your Locked On Canadiens, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 269. Nice, 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 nice. <laughs> it, it's the nicest. It's 200 plus nice. Episode of Locked On Canadians. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Built, go to builtbar.com and use promo code Locked On, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Today, we're going to be talking a little bit about return to play. The World Junior rosters are out, and so we're going to be talking a little bit about that. And there is going to be an all-Canadian AHL division, and Scott is going to tell us about that. My name is Laura Saba, also known as the Active Stick. I'm joined, as always, by my wonderful co-host, Scott Matlow of Habs Eyes on the Prize. Scott, how are you doing today? I'm doing quite well. It's been quite a good weekend. The Packers just won, Villa won despite playing with 10 men, and... World Juniors are right around the corners, assuming that all these prospects can actually get here and that their travel issues have been uh, taken care of. And we are going to talk in our second segment about the rosters that have come out. I'm very excited in particular about Team Canada, and we'll get to that. But first, we, as we know, as of last week, there is a plan for return to play in place. The NHL and the NHLPA have stopped arguing about whether or not uh, they agreed to things that were actually in the uh, CBA that they agreed to and have decided to move forward. The target start date is January 13th. Uh, that is, it seems a little soon for us and it might change, but what we know is that that's the target date. It might be delayed by a few days. It might go on, you know, go off without a hitch. And that also brings us to our schedule. So in the new year, we are going to be going back to five days a week because there's going to be training camp. There's going to be a season. Hopefully there's going to be playoffs in store for the Canadians. And we're so excited about that. But I guess the biggest thing about return to play is, you know, the divisions were, were sort of set up to minimize travel between cities and obviously to minimize cross-border travel or it's actually going to be non-existent. There is an all-Canadian division for a reason, and that is in particular the border crossing is like the the government has decided that that's not going to be something that's feasible. That's why the Toronto Raptors are playing in, is it Tampa or Miami? I'm pretty sure it's Tampa. (laughs) But uh, they're not even playing in their own city, in their own rink for travel reasons. And Obviously, this is all because of COVID, and on, I think it was on Thursday or Friday, I'm pretty sure it was Friday, that we learned that the, I think it was John Shannon of Sportsnet, was it not, that talked about the NHL plans to purchase doses of the COVID-19 vaccine for what he termed uh, players and all constituents, which I don't know if that means like player spouses and, and children or other people who work in hockey operations and, you know, the day-to-day running of the game. But he tweeted that they were going to secure private purchase of the vaccine, which obviously didn't, was not met with very positive reaction, wouldn't you say? 
Yeah, I because I believe it was during uh, either swine flu or SARS or whatever it was that it turns out the Calgary Flames had secretly purchased a bunch of the vaccine for their players and their team, taking that away from, you know, uh, vulnerable people who might have needed it. And looking at the way that COVID has hit not only the United States, but the rest of the world, a team that is in, quite frankly, a a non-essential role, which I love hockey and I love the sport of hockey and I love having sports on TV as a way to kind of unplug from everything. Sports are not an essential service. Taking and purchasing doses of this vaccine that are slowly rolling out to medical workers and nursing home uh, people and long-term care facilities and everything like that, they need it more than anyone else. And that seeing that you're going to now have, what, 31 teams with, uh, what is it, 23 players, a dozen coaches, front office people who are going to be getting this, how many of those doses could be going to someone else? And he clarified that it says, or John Shannon clarified it after the fact saying it has, they aren't going to do that, but they are exploring the idea of it, which tells me someone got in his ear and went, uh, maybe this don't announce that because it's not going well. It, the timing of it just could not be worse right now is that cool. Hockey is coming back, but by the way, we're also taking doses of this vaccine directly from the manufacturer. They are bri- buying them as a private entity which isn't illegal or anything like that, but it just looks really bad considering the circumstances. And I hope they reconsider with what's going on is that as looking at the way the tiers are broken down, a lot of the population won't see it until spring, summer of 2021 and athletes and everyone getting it ahead of the line just so they can go play a sport in front of no fans I don't blame people for being upset about that. Yes. And, and his clarification was just kind of, you know, it, it was very clear that, like you said, somebody got in his ear, the, the NHL probably saw the reaction and, and it sort of was clarified that like they're trying to buy it privately, but they aren't going to skip the line, which I don't know what that means is like, I truly, I, I, I honestly don't know what that means because the logistics of this, is, it's completely mind blowing. And I know, like, I know for a fact that in the, in the proposed schedule for Canada, you and me, we would be considered general population, as would the NHL players, like in, in, in our age groups, anybody who's not immunocompromised would be considered general population. And that doesn't even start until April 2021, according to Canada's schedule. So I don't know what it's going to be like in the States. So I'm wondering, like, what exact, how exactly they plan to purchase private vaccines, but not skip the line. Like, that's the part I'm not getting. It's entirely possible that the logistics of it just means the NHL wants everyone vaccinated all at once, especially since the playoffs will be coming up, like, later in the spring-summer. I understand that part. I just don't understand how it works that they get private doses, but don't skip the line. And that was the part that really confused me. So all of this to say... You know, when the Calgary Flames got their flu shot ahead of elderly people in schools and stuff like that, that was not okay when they did it. And, and the NHL should have learned from that. And it's entirely possible that they were hoping nobody would find out. And, and John Shannon just kind of tweeted it, uh, after he confirmed with somebody that was a reliable source. So we'll see what happens with that. But the main thing is that there is going to be a return to play and we're going to be back five days a week starting in the new year. We're going to be talking about training camp. We're going to be doing previews. But before we do all of that, the World Juniors are coming up. The rosters are out. We're going to talk about that. 
in our next segment that I want to remind you guys about Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. It is a staple of my daily life. I love it. And it's because they're so delicious and the texture is amazing. Built Bar is not like any other protein bar in that it doesn't have a grainy texture. It doesn't have that soy taste or it doesn't have that whey protein taste. You know the one I'm talking about. If you've ever tried a protein bar and you look at it and you're like, well, this flavor seems so amazing on the packet. You bite into it. It's not good. Built Bar is absolutely not like that. It is a treat. It is a treat that I often have for breakfast. It is a treat that I use before I work out. It is a treat that I that I use as a pick-me-up. And it is chock full of protein. Not only that, it is low in calorie and low in sugar. So if that's something that you care about, low in calorie, low in sugar, if you're on the keto diet, for example, it's pretty keto friendly. And again, they are delicious. There are nut-free options if that's what you need. And don't take my word for it. Try it for yourself. Go to BuiltBar.com and enter our promo code Locked On to get 20% off your next order. BuiltBar.com, promo code Locked On, 20% off your next order. It's delicious. Trust me. Get some Built Bar in your life. Coming up on our Wednesday episode this week, we are going to borrow a mailback question from our listener, Jason. And Jason wanted to know about how the uh, respective defensive core, specifically the top four, stack up in the All-Canadian division. We decided to extrapolate from that, and we're going to compare offense, defense, and goaltending in our next episode and that's coming up on Wednesday. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts so that you won't miss that episode. I'm actually really excited and a little bit scared, but I'm also really excited about something else and that is Team Canada and the World Juniors. That is like it is a stacked team. Would you not say, Scott? I mean, I would hope so. It's Canada. They they like grow hockey players out in the fields and the prairies because they can't grow anything else there. Looking at the rosters for this tournament again, we talked to Chris Pre- uh, Chris Peters uh, last week about it, and he talked about Russia being, you know, one of those teams that's going to be exciting. The American roster is stacked. We're going to have the uh, team previews coming out at Eyes on the Prize coming up. Team Canada is always good. And then there's always a team that surprises, you know, the Czech Republic, Finland. Uh, we had Switzerland one year. Like, there's so much fun that could happen in this tournament. But between Russia, Canada, and the U.S., there is a lot of high-end talent um, in this tournament this year. And that's the thing, because, you know, when we talked to Chris, there's a lot of question marks about whether or not it would take place. There's obviously a lot of moral questions about whether or not it should take place in the middle of a pandemic. You know, you're sending a bunch of young kids from all over the world into an area which is now becoming one of the hotbeds of the of the of the virus in Canada and it seems and and I know they took all kinds of precautions and there were all kinds of rules that they had to follow and and um uh criteria that they had to meet and all of that but at the same time assuming and hopefully you know nobody tests positive nobody gets ill they don't take illness back to their respective homes and all of that assuming that happens i feel like this year is, it is a year that I am excited to get into it. First of all, I am on the right side of the world to watch it because last year I was, I was all the way on the other side of the world. But also, like, like you said, we talked to Chris Peters about how exciting Russia was. And then my favorite thing, Scott, that you say about Team USA is that you never know what you're going to get because there's always good players on there, but you just like, for whatever reason, it depends on who they stack up against or who they end up having to meet. So I think it's always, it's, it's always fun to have that question mark. But I also 
you know, for, for team Canada, like this is, this is, it's been a while since I've been able to observe the tournament from start to finish. And I'm just really excited to see what's out there. But also we've got some hats that have made the world juniors teams, their world juniors teams. And we're going to be keeping a close eye on them as well. Isn't that right? Yes. So there are three Canadians prospects across the board this year in the world juniors. Jan Mishak is playing for the Czech Republic, which is no surprise. You have Caden Gooley, who is playing right now on the top pair for Team Canada in their intra-squad games and is paired up with Justin Barron of the Halifax Mooseheads. And to the surprise of no one, Cole Caulfield has made Team USA's roster, and he'll be counted on in a big way this year. Nick Robertson was not released by the Toronto Maple Leafs for this tournament, since he's going to be focusing on trying to make the Maple Leafs out of camp. Uh, and then also for the U.S., they lost John Beecher and Thomas Bortolo due to COVID-19 issues, not performance in camp. Uh, Beecher tested positive and Bortolo having been his roommate, you know, had to be withdrawn due to, you know, immediate exposure. But the U.S. roster again is so, it's scary good up front. And then on the back end, you don't know what you're going to get. They have two great goalies, a suspect defense and a ton of offense. It's, Quite frankly, like watching the Canadians play, I'm pretty sure. Hence the characterization that you never know what you're going to get. And and that's something that I'm excited about. And, and let's go back because, uh, as we said last week on our Wednesday episode, it was episode uh, 267. We had Chris Peters of ESPN on, and he mentioned that the U.S. goalie is probably the second best goalie in the tournament after Team Russia's starting goaltender. Yeah, and then behind him, they have Dustin Wolf, too. Like, Dustin Wolf is incredible. So it's like, oh, if Spencer Knight doesn't work out, you just go to the guy who won CHL Goaltender of the Year. Oh, no, how terrible for you. And before we move on to other topics, I just, like, let's talk a little bit about Cole Caulfield yet again, because for some reason, there seems to be, among Habs fans, not so much amongst Habs, among Habs fans, I feel like we're maybe a little bit too anxious and a little bit too antsy. But elsewhere in hockey discourse, for whatever reason, people seem to be obsessed with Cole Caulfield. Uh, yes. Yes, they are. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and just call him out right by name. I'm not going to beat around the bush on this one. David Staples, if you ever listen to this show, one, please spell Cole Caulfield's name correctly. And two, keep his name out of your mouth because your analysis is half-baked and garbage. Uh, David here came up with a bright idea to decide to trash Caulfield and bolster uh, or uh, boost up Carter Savoy, a prospect at the University of Denver for the Edmonton Oilers. Savoy has been off to a great start. He has six points and two assists in five games played as of the time of this recording. And Staples decided to point out that, well, he's got more points per game than hot shot Cole Caulfield, and therefore he's better Ignoring the fact that, one, Caulfield has played twice as many games, two, plays on a team playing with nine healthy forwards, and three, leads the nation in scoring and didn't play this weekend. Your half-baked analysis makes me want to rip out my hair. It's garbage, and it's lazy, and I can't believe people, like, read this thing earnestly. It's... I will not stand for Cole Caulfield slander that isn't grounded in factual analysis. Half-baked stuff like that is, it's infuriating to me, and I'm so tired of it at this point. I just, I don't get why everyone is comparing, you know, if, 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 if Leafs fans and Leafs media are comparing their players to 
Cole Caulfield, and now, like, they're doing that all the way out in frickin' Edmonton. Maybe Cole Caulfield is the gold standard, and maybe people should just leave him alone. Yes, leave Cole Caulfield alone. We had an entire episode about this. (laughs) This is going to be our our thing until he starts playing in Montreal, and then we're going to start losing our heads over him uh, all over again. But before we do that, there is going to be an all-Canadian AHL division. Is that right? Uh, Yes, yes, there is. It's going to be... If you think the Rocket didn't play um, Belleville and Toronto enough, boy, have I got some real bad news for you. And that bad news is coming right up next. Don't miss another big hockey story. Start your week off with Locked On NHL. Every Monday, Locked On Kings host Sarah Vampato interviews local experts covering the biggest stories in hockey. Get reactions to blockbuster trades, deep dives on the teams destined to be at the top of the standings, and analysis of hockey's hottest stars. Subscribe to Locked On NHL wherever you get your podcasts. So we were talking about how the Rocket don't play Belvin enough. Uh, yeah. So the AHL only seven hundred times a year. Only seven hundred times a year, and each game is more infuriating than the last. If you get annoyed by playing the NHL Senators, their AHL team is just as annoying. If it's any uh. Any uh, consolation to fans out there? Uh, so I believe it was Corey Promen who mentioned they're going to be doing, I believe it's around a 50-game season, likely an all-Canadian division, which means so we're going to have Laval, Toronto, Belleville, and then Winnipeg has the team there in Manitoba, and I believe we might see the Flames and the Oilers and I believe you know, the Canucks who have the team in Utica might move their teams north of the border and they might travel from the north side of the border. They won't be playing in the U.S., but, you know, details haven't been fully hashed out on that. So what that really means is we're basically going to be playing most of what was the um, AHL's North Division, which had Belleville and Toronto in it along with Lavelle. It, because, obviously, we can't cross the border right now. It's going to be very interesting to see how the shortened schedule affects the AHL teams, because when we had the lockout in 2012, they played a full season there. Like players like Taylor Hall and Justin Schultz and Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Jordan Eberle were playing in the AHL at that time for a full season. This year, they're both playing shortened seasons now because obviously they couldn't play with the whole COVID pandemic going on. You have to wonder that if a team starts slow, like we talked about with NHL teams, what's that going to mean? Luckily for the Rocket, though, they've done very well, usually kind of getting their early season out of, or getting in gear early, and most of the team is returning from last year when the team was really hot to end the season when it got canceled. Uh, So I look at what this team could do with all the depth that they have, and they might be one of those threats that with a compressed schedule, a lot of games in a short period of time, that they can compete even if guys get banged up or called up or any or just need a rest in a game, it, they're going to need it because Toronto's always tough. Belleville is a nightmare to play against with their prospect depth. And then teams like Utica, like Manitoba, always present unique challenges in every single game. And just because it's the minor league doesn't mean you can take any of these teams lightly. They're all very talented in their own way. And if you're ever off on a given night, you could lose by five, six goals and no one would bat an eye. Oh, the AHL losing by five, six goals. It's actually 
the like what I like about it is that they are, you know, we we didn't even know if there was going to be a season, and they're kind of they're trying their best to sort of not mimic the NHL exactly, but kind of be in line with it so that all of these players that are developing to get into their organizations, to their systems, like they're not losing out on play. I think that that's something that we know that the pandemic has made a lot of things complicated. And, you know, some, some even in, in the, um, the NCAA, some conferences have can or teams have canceled their seasons outright. Um, and all of these players, they need somewhere to play. But also I think it just, it helps keep the pace. It helps keep the pace of development up. And honestly, like as excited as I am about an all Canadian NHL division, I don't really know what to expect from an AHL one. You know, like I tend to watch the rocket games when they're against the Marlies and that kind of stuff. Like when they're big ticket games and sometimes they'll be on, uh, on broadcast or like when you go to Laval, which is a really fun time, which is something that we're not going to have. Like that's, you know, that's my, that's the extent of my involvement, but I'm really excited to just kind of maybe not watch the Belleville Senators. Maybe, maybe I'll avoid that. Maybe I'll avoid the Ottawa Senators too. Scott, do you want to take all those games? I mean, I pretty much do anyways because <laughs> of uh, my job at Eyes on the Prize. It, it, it's even I don't know what to expect because one, games against Belleville and Toronto can get testy. I'm very grateful to uh, not having to be playing Syracuse this year because every game against Syracuse, regardless of how good or bad either team is, always devolves into fisticuffs at some point, and it's always it's gong show hockey, basically. It's always entertaining in one way or another. Uh, it, an all-Canadian division is going to be so fascinating. Like, the NHL, we kind of know what to expect, and we're going to preview that. We haven't played the Oilers' prospects. We haven't played the Flames' prospects in years that I don't know what to expect from these teams, like, because they're on the in the Western Conference, and there is no real cross-conference play anymore, or there wasn't last year. So it's very interesting to see what these teams who are out west because um they're both in California. Bakersfield is the Oilers and Stockton is the Flames, the Heat. So it's going to be very interesting. These teams that they haven't seen for years probably don't watch all that often because they've never played each other. What it's going to mean for, you know, these games coming down there and what how you're going to prepare for a team that you never haven't played in a while. You can know what to expect from the Marlies or what to expect from the Senators when you play them eight times a year. How do you game plan for a team that you haven't played in since, like, I don't know, 2013, 2014, when you had entirely different players and entirely different coach? It's it, it's a it's such an interesting proposition, honestly. And we will be keeping an eye on that, and we will be talking about it throughout the season. We just hope nobody gets the virus or infects anybody else. That's that's basically our entire hope is that don't die or kill other people. Um, and 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 then you know we're going to be watching the hockey games and talking about them. And we hope you'll keep joining us. You can subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts. You can email us at lockdowncanadians at gmail dot com. You can tweet us at lo underscore canadians. You can find Scott on Twitter at Scott Matla. You can find his work at Habs Eyes on the Prize. You can find me on Twitter at The Active Stiff. You can find my work nowhere, really. This is all I do. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for listening. We will talk to you on Wednesday.